Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. It's time for your favorite show. The Weekend Report is on the radio. for being a part of it. Tony Colombo here in studio with Andrew producing one more time. And Chris Arps is live once again from the Arps compound somewhere in the state of Missouri in his basement, hopefully dressed. Uh, I am dressed. All right. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Practicing social distancing, washing my hands, and great to be with you on this fine Saturday. Yes. Evening. Well, thank you so much for uh, for dialing in once again. And yeah, as Chris is uh, practicing social proper social distancing, uh, but he will be here for the entire show, of course. And starting out in the studio with us this week is the host of Insider Talk, which you will hear tomorrow, Sunday, every Sunday at noon here on 97.1 FM Talk. Rodney is in. Rodney Boyd is here. And to record that show right now, so we grabbed him, pulled him into the studio. Social distancing or not, we've got plenty <laughs> of uh, we've got plenty of hand sanitizer and and wipes. And so Rodney has uh, been nice enough to join us in studio to start the show with us. Great to see you, my friend. You know, it's good to see you guys. It's good to actually be out of the house for a few hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, as Chris said, practicing social distancing. I've been pretty good at that anyway, so we yeah. just now get a chance to show how good I am at it. You so know? you're about to record the show that everybody will hear uh, uh, tomorrow at noon. Yes, be- because of social, because of the pandemic, we're going to record it yeah. early so folks can get it. We're going to talk to Mayor Cruson mm-hmm. about what's happening from her perspective in the city. Then we're going to pivot. I can't wait to hear that. And we're going to pivot and we're going to talk to uh, Senator Bob Onder, who's the only physician in the Senate. And he also is uh, very involved in what's happening. The state is going back next week. Yeah. For, uh, for, for something. And you know, and you know, Rob, I got a uh, email from uh, Senator Bob Onder and I didn't even know he was considering this. He was considering running for lieutenant governor, but decided not to do that. So I'm sure that's something we'll talk about. Thank you. for You'll talk about them. Thank you for teasing that up because that is going to be. (laughs) No, until five o'clock on the 30th on Tuesday. They, there was a real strong uh, sense that he was going to file for lieutenant governor, challenging the incumbent Kehoe. Yeah. So we're going to get into some of that as well. The pretty popular Mike Kehoe, yeah, pretty right? popular in the general public way. Mm. There's some 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 you know people who are the, inside the party. Yeah, who might not always agree with his. I you know, some, uh, you know how it goes. Yeah, we've had the lieutenant governor on this show. He's always been nice to us. So. But a lot so, of people don't know so he's a, a lot of so people, Senator Ronder always yeah, been and, nice and a lot of people don't well. know Mike Kehoe is a native of St. Louis. He built yeah. his career in yeah. Jeff City. Yeah. So he's identified with the Jeff City area where he served in the Senate. But he's a, he's grew up in Walnut Park. So interesting. In the projects. Yeah. In the hood. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
Big enough, it's going to be very interesting to hear two politicians on your show tomorrow from two different parties discussing, obviously, what we're going through here in the state and across the country. And unfortunately, unlike other uh, national sort of emergency situations, I mean, nothing compares to this, but we have been through things as a country in the past. And I, this, to me, seems to be the first one that it's an emergency or a situation that we're all dealing with, but we still seem to be divided on political lines. And it's never been like that in the past. I feel like we've always, like 9-11, we've been able to, we were all able to come together, even if it was only for a short period of time of a few weeks. We were able to sort of put our differences aside. But politics has unfortunately been front and center throughout this coronavirus situation. What are your thoughts just overall on where we're at with this thing right now? So quickly, I think that the politics is disappointing because I think this pandemic, I think if we pulled together, we'd be much further along toward how we solve this. But politics aside, what I am seeing is when you get past the political space in which I normally work, people are stepping up, man. I mean, yeah. You know, uh, healthcare workers, uh, neighborhood people folks. People on the street are stepping up. So, so there's two things. If you look at politics the way we do, you see the divide. You see that this pandemic is not closing that divide. In some cases, it's, it's cementing it. But push past that and look at the everyday folks. I, I'm seeing some incredible humanitarian efforts coming out of various pockets of the community and around the country. So I think still of uh, the American people, when we get hit, whether it's a 9-11 attack or whatever, uh, attacks our society. We American people let the politicians do what they do, and some politicians are in this as well. We come together, we step up, and I think this pandemic is going to do a lot of damage in terms of the lives that it takes. It, it, look, when someone said it's a hundred thousand or two hundred fifty thousand, if any thousands of people die mm-hmm. in the next two months from this uh, uh, virus, it's tragic, mm-hmm. right? And, and to start thinking about that being in hundreds of thousands, it boggles my mind. But what I do know about uh, we, the people, uh, us, is that we we are going to step up. And, and I think there's going to be more positive, good connections that come out of this than the negative political chatter that we're going to inevitably have to hear. And it is an election year. That's the other thing. I mean, the pandemic picked a, a hell of a time to arrive on, our, on the world scene because it has arisen in an election year, presidential, gubernatorial bunch of locals. So I think that's another reason why the politics will stay divisive because people are going to be voting w- one way or another this year for a new president, mm-hmm. new governor, you know, whatever. So that's the challenge. Yep. Good, Chris. Rob, uh, Missouri is one of 12 states that has not issued a statewide stay at home order. Give us the governor's thoughts on that, why he probably hasn't initiated that yet. Well, so it, it's very interesting because you know, the governor's order that we are under expires on Monday. Okay. Yeah. Think about that. So there is this. Which all of, the initial orders kind of did, but yeah. almost everybody has extended yeah, those, yeah. And, and Governor Parson Look, has, is yet to do that. Mike Parson has been uh, badgered on all sides. And let me give you the medical community has said to him to not do a stay at home order is effectively to increase the number of deaths. How could you, how could you not? Uh, the St. Louis business community has joined that rallying cry. But then the other challenge for Mike Parson, who's from Polk County, Bolivar, Missouri, is his hometown. He's he's not hearing the same sense of shutter down from other chambers around the state, outstate. Mm-hmm. Missouri is a unique animal in that we are bordered in an appreciable way by eight other states. And what I, what I mean by that is, if you live in Joplin, your new your media news cycle is is Oklahoma, 
Yeah. Like you're getting new. Your, your news people may wake up in Oklahoma. If you're living in Kansas City, your news people may be in Kansas. If you're right. in North uh, West Missouri, literally some of those folks, they get their news from Nebraska outlets. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a different. I mean, so to try and I know he's wrestling with this, but to try to come up with a policy that governs this state is unique in that it's not. Texas with three states or Mississippi yeah. with two states. It's Missouri with eight. Then you get over here and we've got the Illinois side. And so some people over here say, Governor Pritzker's done it all. He shut him down. He's doing this. Why aren't we doing that? So I think for Mike Parson, as he wrestles with the challenge, he is hearing from one subset, the medical community, important subset, by the way, yeah. of constituents, but he's not. it's not universal. It's not something that he's hearing from across the state. And then some people would say, hey, leadership doesn't need to hear. You just do the right thing. Well, you know, I, I think it's a juggernaut for him to try to figure out. The healthcare community says shut it down to save lives. Uh, I, I don't know that we don't end up there, mm-hmm. but I just think today he's wrestled with that he's not comfortable that a shutdown order is the essential way. I think he wants to do his emergency declaration, the guidelines. He's, he's trying to do things on the margins just short of shutting the whole state down with a shut-in-place order. Uh, and, 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 you know, he'll be judged for that in November. Nicole Galloway uh, is running against uh, the governor for the governorship, of course. And, you know, most people are not giving her much of a chance. Could this be an opening uh, for Nicole Galloway? And how should she uh, approach that opening with these with this situation being so sensitive? You know, I, I don't know if this pandemic is an opening or not. Here's what I know. If, if thousands and thousands of Missouri die from this virus and the economy is as bad as it could be, it's very difficult for the incumbent, you know, to run on the success or, or what they've done. And that in and of itself would create that potential. And that's the same thing for the president. If millions of Americans die, if these prognosticating models are correct and the economy is horrible, it's very difficult to hold on to your office because people are going to want something different. That would be the opening. Now, that is as... Um, that is con- as contingent and as, uh, you know, non-actualized as a point of, that I can make because, mm-hmm. you know, there's another side of this that thousands of people don't die. The economy makes a comeback in the in the late third or early fourth quarter, and that serves the incumbents well. But I don't know that this pandemic in and of itself will give Nicole Galloway an opening. I mean, Nicole Galloway still has to get out here and convince people that she brings something to the office mm-hmm. that we're looking for. Mm-hmm. And that's tougher for her to do when we're focused on surviving well, the virus. And, and people may be criticizing Mike Parson. Some people may be criticizing Mike Parson right now, but nobody's even talking about Nicole Galloway. Yeah, She's that's what I point And that's the, the point I'm making. Like she, a part of her pitch is this is why I am a better alternative and this is what I bring to the office. And right. if you don't have a, a place, look at Joe Biden. He's bunkering down in his home. He can't even get his message out. So all the momentum... Is gone for the foreseeable Joe future. Joe Biden, I, I don't want to change the subject quite yet and get into <laughs> this, but we're going to talk about this in a little bit. Are you? Are either of you even aware of the sexual misconduct charges against Joe Biden that were levied about a week ago? I wasn't. I, I wasn't. Nobody I is. Because I saw the story. It's not being covered uh, a week at ago. all, and it is as credible of a accusation as wow. any other one that wow. I've seen, and it's just not getting any. Any media yeah, attention yeah, break, whatsoever. Breaking gonna, breaking news to me. Yeah, we're gonna talk about it. We're gonna talk about it later. So we'll we'll keep it here for that. I I can I can see my partner's face on the Skype. <laughs> 
And I'm not sure he thinks it's as uh, serious of a story as I do, but we'll we'll find out. We'll find out in a little while. Hey, um, anything that helps defeat Joe Biden in the fall is a serious story, <laughs> well, and I'm interested. Well, there in you it, go. I me. just can't believe that the that the the story has been absolutely ignored by the media when it it it, it seems to be as credible as a story as as other situations we've seen everything is covid-19 guys <laughs> yeah, everything no kidding. Yeah. and 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 mike and and just to finish the point about mike parson i don't mind the idea of a leader saying you know i'm in a state that has a lot of as you illustrated rodney very different areas very different communities big cities and then extreme rural areas that are all managed and governed differently. So I'm going to let the leaders in those areas. I mean, you're right. He, we're the the state of Missouri isn't under a stay-at-home order, but we all are. Yeah, we yeah. all are here in the St. Louis area, and they all are in Kansas City. So he's a and he's not stopping that. Right, he's letting right. the local leaders, local government, make the decisions for the local people. That's true. And so I. I don't really have too much of a problem with that. I understand. I understand that he hasn't been as front and center, or maybe as aggressive as some of these other governors, and maybe there's some criticism to be had there. But I don't mind letting local leaders lead. Doesn't bother me one bit. Um, what do you? What, what is the? We'll, we'll know more when you talk to the mayor. We're talking to Rodney Boyd, starting the show with us, of course, host of Insider Talk. He's going to be talking to the mayor here in just a few minutes, recording his show that you'll get to hear tomorrow. How how do you feel so far about the way that local leaders have handled the coronavirus and, and you know, Mayor Lattic? You know, I think the local leaders have done the best that they can. Two weeks ago, Mayor Krusen was talking about limiting activities to a thousand. Just two weeks ago, to a thousand people or less. Mm-hmm. Uh, three days later, it was down to, two, you know, to 250. I think they're responding to the information that they get in real time because there's no playbook for this. I often say it. The playbook for this type of response to a national global pandemic is being written right now. Yeah. We're writing it. So there's a lot of erasing and rewriting over the same lines. So I think they're doing the best they can. They're trying to manage with limited resources and limited power uh, human behavior in a pandemic. So a lot of what the mayor and the executives are trying to do is really try to get information out to people and say, you know, this is what we think you have to do. There hasn't really been, up as of late, a whole lot of well, this is how we're going to enforce these stay-at-home orders. Has been mostly please do it now to their benefit. Many people, uh, through sheer common sense, are adhering to those orders, and some are not. So I know that recently, St. Louis County started being a little bit more forceful, stopping people, you know, asking them for where you're going. But I think at the end of the day, they're doing the best they can with the information and resources they have, and none of it is static. I mean, I think we're going to be seeing more modifications to these orders Mm -hmm. in the weeks to come, especially as we get testing sites up and we get some information about how many people in our midst really are carrying COVID. Are you worried about the long-term effects? Not to the... I could... I I don't mean to sound dumb, uh, but I... I could care less about the big economy, like watching the Dow every yeah, day that yeah. everybody does. Right now, I just don't care about that. What I care about is my friends that don't have a job right now and are dipping into their savings yeah. just to sustain themselves, and I want them to get back to work. So when I ask this question, I mean it from the standpoint sure. of the of that person, the part-time workers, the educators, the people that work in restaurants, not the you know not 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 the Dow not not the, sure, the economy sure, that we look at every day. Are you worried about the long term effects to those people 
if this drags on for another month or two or Unequivoc- the whole unequivocally summer. yes and even if we make it out of this thing with our uh, with most of our our lives intact we're going to be in a new uh, work economy new work structure a lot of businesses are not going to make it they're just not and even the larger employers that have become so critical are going to re are reconfiguring right now in a way that they'll be very different in three months from now. Mm-hmm. I think when we wake up in Q4, when I think we'll be sort of back to some modicum of normal work, the the industries that we knew will be radically different. From everything from hotel to rental car to everything will be radically different. And I think people are going to have to recalibrate how they come back into the workplace. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what people should be thinking about now as we're sitting at home. If there's something that you've wanted to do, some new idea, something you wanted to learn, prepare yourself now for a new workforce uh, economy because it will not be what it used to be. We're done with that. Rodney's got an interview with the mayor. Chris, you got one more question for him okay. before he goes? I, I do. Rod, a couple of weeks ago when I think when I when we talked to you, uh, Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner was just announcing her policy of of letting go some of the uh, inmates in the jails, you know, to try to ease COVID-19. And I tell you something that's shocking that you won't see too too uh, often is the Post Dispatch had an editorial this week criticizing that policy that uh, the circuit attorney was letting out dangerous felons. Are we going to see her turn uh, to change that policy or moderate it at all? Do you think? No, I think her office is committed to that policy. I think they're doubling down on it. I think they. Uh, she's actually been joined, uh, surprisingly, by the public defender's office and a number in the healthcare community that this is the right move. So she's not going to pull back on that. That's where her office is, and they're going to lean in. Um, it's a, it's quite a conundrum. I, I, there are some, you know, variables behind the scenes about why people uh, want to support that policy, and unfortunately, a lot of it I think has to do with unmanageable healthcare crises in the prison system. There's interesting some are, who are for the policy. Uh, aren't looking at the behavior of the people being let out, but they're saying if you have a COVID spread in the prisons, it'll bankrupt the city and county, and you can't afford it. So very interesting. But no, she's she's sticking, she's going to stick with the policy. That is Rodney Boyd, who is going to be interviewing Mayor Lida Krusen and Senator Bob Onder here in moments, and you will hear that tomorrow on the on Insider Talk. Every Sunday at noon, Rod, thanks so much for uh, popping in and starting the show with us. Thank you, guys. Yeah, you bet. And don't go anywhere. We are just getting started on the Weekend Report. In a little less than an hour from now, we are going to talk to Mike Ferguson, another one of the show hosts here at 97.1 FM Talk. Uh, And he actually dealt with coronavirus. You may have heard him earlier this week on the Mark Cox Morning Show Mike was hospitalized with coronavirus and now is thankfully on the road to recovery. And we're going to talk to him and he's going to talk us through his entire experience of dealing with coronavirus. So that is going to be at the top of the next hour uh, just after six o'clock. So make sure you stick around for that. When we get back, talk to more with Chris Arps about all the headlines of the day on The Weekend Report. Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk, Tony Colombo in studio with producer Andrew from the Dave Glover Show and my partner Chris Arps is practicing proper social distancing and joining us live via Skype from his basement. There's been a lot of Skype interviews. You can't turn on a news 
a cable news channel without seeing an interview done on Skype. I think websites like Skype and Zoom and GoToMeeting.com are <laughs> booming businesses right now. You know, Tony, um, you know, uh, Rodney, you mentioned it earlier that with this pandemic, businesses change forever and all that. I was just talking to Becky about this yesterday. I think because of the coronavirus and people having to do interviews from their homes now, that I think when these networks have people on to do remote interviews, that they're just going to have them do them from their homes now instead of having them go down to a studio so they don't have to pay for satellite time and all that yeah. type of stuff. I, you know, I really think we, we may see the end of of uh, people going to the studio to do remote interviews. Especially ones that are flown in from around the country just to come in to do one 10 or 15 minute interview on a show. Yeah. I could see that. But I will say this. We we have a little bit of an advantage on radio because it's just strictly audio and it sounds pretty good. Yeah. But I have seen some of these <laughs> Skype interviews on television yeah. that if it starts to buffer or if it, or if there's any type of delay whatsoever, I haven't seen so many interviewers talking over interviewees <laughs> because they think the interviewee is done giving an answer, but yeah. the, all they're doing is pausing, but there's a delay, so the other person starts to talk, and they're just running right into each other. So it's not quite as good quality. It's not quite as smooth television yet, so that's one thing to be said for the in-studio interview, but I don't know. It might not be enough to overcome the, the cost that you're talking about, but... Well, I tell you the thing that's bothering me is when they do these in studio, these uh, in home interviews. It's like, will you invest in a decent lamp or something? It's like they use a candlelight <laughs> for the light; you can barely see them. It's like, come no on! No kidding, no kidding. So, uh, we mentioned in the last segment. Oh, I want to remind people one more time as well. Coming up at the top of the next hour, we are going to be talking to Mike Ferguson. Of course, everybody here at 97.1 knows Mike. He hosts American Viewpoints, which airs every Sunday morning here on the radio station. He's a regular fill-in for the Mark Cox Morning Show. He's been on this show many times and every other show on the station many times. And Mike is recovering from coronavirus, and he was actually hospitalized with coronavirus. So he was on Mark's morning show earlier this week talking about it a little bit but I want to get I want to him to talk through it today as much as he's willing to share with uh, us and the audience I want to hear it because uh, many of us know you know many of us you know may have some distant connection to it but very few of us have I, I at least that I know of have firsthand experience with coronavirus. So I want to hear firsthand what this experience was like. And Mike is in one of those um, uh, in one of those situations where he's more susceptible than maybe others. And so it was, a, you know, it was a very scary thing for him, obviously, and he was hospitalized. So I, I am really looking forward to talking to Mike Ferguson. And hearing the truth, and uh, uh, you know, a firsthand account of somebody who went through coronavirus and now, thank God, is on the road to recovery. So it's going to be really some interesting stuff. Uh, another thing that is some really interesting stuff, we touched on it in the last segment. Let's just go ahead and dive into it now. Joe Biden, who is essentially clinched the Democratic nominee nomination for president, former eight-year vice president of the United States, longtime senator, was 
had some sexual misconduct allegations levied against him uh, almost a week ago, maybe over a week ago at this point. And I have not seen one news story on television or heard it talked about on the radio a single time by anyone. If it wasn't for me watching the right YouTube channels and reading the right websites online, I wouldn't even know about this. And after reading them and seeing the interview with the with his accuser, the I don't I don't. It's only a one sided story, so I can't you know make up my mind completely because I don't have all the the I don't have both sides. But it's as credible of an allegation as I've heard levied against others. How much? How familiar are you with this story, Chris? I saw the story earlier this week, and Tony, I hope you have a pen and paper with you because I want you to write this down. All right, I do. Uh, I'm actually going to give the media a pass on this one. Uh, no one is paying attention to politics right now. We've kind of put the uh, the races, the campaigns on the back burner. I think that uh, the, the media would be criticized heavily from the left and the right even if they uh, started talking politics in the middle of this pandemic. So I give them a pass on this. Look, the COVID virus is looking to peak here in the next few weeks. By the summertime, it should be gone. We've got plenty of time to talk about Joe Biden's uh, sexual harassment charges, Burisma, the family connections that uh, get special privileges because uh, they're related to Joe. We got plenty of time for that. Okay, you know what? I'll I'll play your game. I'll go. <laughs> I'll go ahead with that line of thinking for now that there are Americans dying and we are a country affected by coronavirus and it's not the time for politics. I'm being partisan, Tony. I Look, I, like I said, I'll play that game for now. <laughs> I, I have a couple questions. If this, If these allegations were leveled right now against the president of the United States, do you think that the media would not be covering it and saying this isn't the time? Uh, they would be covering it, but <laughs> like I tell our good friend Mark Cox all the time, we can't play what is or okay. me tooism. We know that okay. the media is fundamentally unfair to here's, us. Here's so, a, here's the second hello? question. Here's the second question. Okay. Yeah, because they wouldn't. That pass would not be given to anyone else, especially anyone on the the right or right. somebody. Even even I, even Bernie Sanders. If this was happening right now to Bernie Sanders, I think that he would be. I think it would be front page news. Because the media doesn't like Bernie Sanders either. So I think that this would not be being buried um, if it was Bernie. I I disagree with you slightly on that. I think they they would ignore it because right now the media is completely fixated on Donald Trump and his quote-unquote mishandling of this coronavirus. And you look at Nancy Pelosi and Schumer. I mean, they're kind of making suggestions. They're going to impeach him over this, right. I, over his handling of this. So I, I think their focus is on trying to make Donald Trump look incompetent and trying to uh, help him lose in November. I, I think they'd ignore it so, if, if it was, if it was uh, Bernie. I'm still going down your road of it. this isn't the time. <laughs> is it – will you be – Will you give the media a pass again if they don't bring this up when we have flattened the curve and we can start talking about presidential politics? Don't you agree that we should take this story on immediately when we get to that point? I do, but 
I don't think the story is going to come up like that. I don't think the media is going to say, hey, these stories have come out uh, against Joe Biden. Let's investigate. Let's show this. I think what's going to happen is Fox News and conservative news outlets are going to make this a story. And then the liberal media is going to have to cover it by default. But of course, they're going to be covering for him while they're doing it. Right. Should it be a story? Yeah, it should be a story. Absolutely. I mean, look, the Democrats are always talking about they're the party of women and they're for minorities and people that are downtrodden. And here is the standard bearer for the Democrats this year has been accused of multiple sexual harassment uh, charges. Mm-hmm. We've all seen the videos of him sniffing women's hair and touching little girls. So, yeah, it's a definitely a legitimate uh, campaign or a legitimate topic. I just think just not right now. I, uh, I, You know what? Okay, I'll go with you for now on this. But this is a story that cannot be buried and forgotten. It needs to be dealt with. Maybe not, maybe this isn't the proper time. I, I, I don't know about that. I'm not sure I agree with that. but Because uh, I'm sure that there are plenty of people that have suffered sexual assault that would say it's always the proper time to bring justice in those cases. But I understand what you're saying. It's not like this is something that happened recently. This happened in the 90s. And you can go up and I I encourage everyone who's interested to just look it up. It's Joe Biden. The accuser's name is Tara Reid. Not Tara Reid. Tara (laughs) Reid. She worked for him. She worked for Joe Biden in the 90s. And they were in a a one-on-one situation where she was delivering something to him and he I won't get into all the details, but he pushed her up against a wall and there was some inappropriate touching. And when she pulled away, he said, come on, man, I, th- I thought you liked me, which sounds ex- which sounds exactly like Joe Biden. It does, me. doesn't it? Yeah. And then when she when it was obvious that she was not into what was going on, he, you know, started telling her, you're fine. You're fine. Nothing happened. It's OK. You're OK. Nothing happened. You're fine. And, you know, rushed her out of the room. And and the, the one of the big uh, one of the big knocks against this woman is why is people are saying, well, why now? If this was true, why now? Well, nobody said why now to Christine Blasey Ford when Kavanaugh, Brett Kavanaugh was getting uh, nominated to the Supreme Court. But her answer to that is a good one. Her answer is it's not now. I've been trying to tell people this for years I've sent my story to Kamala Harris's office and to Elizabeth Warren's office, and I've approached the media, and I've told all my fr- and I told all my friends right when it happened, and nobody ever wanted to follow up on it. It's just now finally getting. So it's not like she waited until he was about to clinch the Democratic nomination for president to come out with it. She's been trying to have her story heard, and nobody's wanted to hear it. And there's a little caveat to that, too, if I remember the story, Tony, that even though she did work for uh, for Joe Biden uh, during the primary, she was a Bernie Sanders supporter. So that could have a yeah. little something to do with it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think she was a Bernie Sanders supporter. And, yeah. and apparently at some point in her life, you know, I think maybe when she was in college or something, mm-hmm. she wrote a paper that that gave some compliments to Russia. So people, so people that are on Joe Biden's side. I mean, you should see the the social media reaction to this woman and the names that they call her, and they basically say, you know, look at her past. She's a Russian agent because she wrote a paper twenty five years ago that said something nice about Russia. Like, and they just they call her, you know, 
every name that I can't say on the radio. Tony, this is the party of tolerance now. Yeah, I know. The the party of the and the party of believe all women. (laughs) Exactly. Same party. what I just want to tell you is, uh, you know, we got this Corona thing going on. We want that to pass. But trust me, my Republican colleagues in the Donald Trump campaign have all of I, I think they've got an opposition research folder on Joe Biden. that's probably as big as the A encyclopedia. Well, he doesn't deserve a pass. And if she if she's lying, then she needs to pay the price for for lying. And, and she's she's a monster if she's lying, because the people that that falsely make these accusations make it that much harder for every person that has real sexual assault stories that they're trying to get justice for makes it all that much harder for them so if she's lying She's a monster, and she needs to. But how do we prove that? You know how the the thing is. How do you prove she's not lying? I know. Well, we at least need to. Somebody needs to investigate, and somebody needs to, you know, at least ask Joe Biden what happened, and which hasn't happened yet. At least we at least need to hear his side of the story at some point. They will. Um, Andrew, do we have time to go to another topic, or should we take a break and then come back? Let's go ahead and take a break. We'll, We'll. We'll. We got. We're right on that line, Chris. So let's take a break. We'll Show's go a going bit, by quick today. Yeah, we'll go a little bit long in the next segment. Um, I want to dive into something that you just mentioned about uh, Nancy Pelosi once again talking about possible impeachment. She's actually creating a task force <laughs> that is designed to oversee the president's task force yeah. on COVID-19. She I think she's calling put, it the after action report. She wants to put some checks and balances on the, the president and Dr. Fauci and Dr. Uh, Bricks. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that story. In just and let's second. also get into Dr. Fauci is getting death threats. What the heck is I wrong know, with some Americans? Right. Exactly. OK, we'll take a break. We'll talk about that when we get back. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Weekend Report on 97.1 FM Talk. FM Talk, Tony Colombo here in studio with Andrew from the Dave Glover Show. And Chris Arps is live from his basement practicing proper social distancing and uh, joining us on Skype. How's it going over there, my friend? I'm doing great. Uh, Good talk to you guys. This week, we can see you. This is the first time that we can actually see you and you can't see us. Which is kind of weird, but that's how when weird. you do remote TV interviews, it's like that. Mm-hmm. You look into the camera and you can, you know, all you do is hear, but you can't see them. So I'm kind of used to it a little bit. Yeah, it's 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 funny. But, uh, yeah, I can see you and your How I look? The beard? I shaved the beard. Does yeah, it look good? you got your blues hoodie on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah looking like a million bucks. So Thank we were you. just talking in that last segment about uh, Nancy Pelosi has and, and and we talked in the first segment with Rodney Boyd about how unfortunately 
political this whole situation has been handled. There's Politics have played a huge role in uh, the coronavirus situation, which is kind of sad. And Nancy Pelosi has been very critical of the president and his task force and obviously Vice President Pence every step of the way. As you mentioned in the last segment, Chris, she's even hinted at another round of impeachment because of the way he's handled this. And now this week she was also putting together a task force that is designed to oversee and basically uh, keep tabs on the president's task force, the COVID-19 task force. What do you think of the speaker's behavior right now? I think what it shows, one, of course, that they still have a profound hatred for Donald Trump, that we know. But I also think they're signaling, Tony, that uh, they know Joe Biden really can't win in November. So they're going to try to help them as much as they can by blaming the president's response on corona and, and doing task force and investigations and have all of that going on during the presidential campaign. To me, it's just an admission that Joe Biden can't beat Donald Trump, and they know that. Sorry about that. I hit my own button there. That's all right. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. They they have seemed to have taken on the uh, attitude of we can't beat Trump at the ballot box, so we've got to find another way to throw him out of office. However, it I believe it backfired with the first impeachment process. And the president came out with more support than he went in, maybe not massively, but at least a few points uh, higher in popularity and job approval. And I think throughout this coronavirus situation, by and large, the president has, according to the American public, done a pretty good job. There's obviously a group of 40 to 45 percent of Americans who will no matter what the president does, no matter what, they are going to hate him. And that's never going to change. So if the president can even get close to 50 percent job approval rating, that is, you know, just amazing. But I think his numbers of approval in the way that he's handled uh, coronavirus is over 50 percent. I haven't seen the numbers in a while, but he's he's generally you know gotten positive reaction and has again throughout this coronavirus situation his his job his job approval ratings have continued to creep up so if the speaker once again uses this uh this platform to go after the president i think it's going to backfire on her again because i think m- the majority of americans think that he's doing a pretty good job what do you think well they do in the, the latest numbers that i saw i think was about a week to 10 days ago where 60 percent of americans approved of how he's handling the coronavirus you know we talked about it last week that 49 percent of americans in the gallup poll uh support the type of job that he's doing as president overall Look, Americans are going to rally around their president. That's just who we are. It happened during, you know, World War II when they bombed Pearl Harbor. Uh, it happened during George W. Bush during 9/11. Americans are going to rally around their president, and they're really going to rally around this president because he's been a president that is not ashamed to say that he is for America and America is a great country and we're number one. Mm. And that's the part of of Donald Trump's popularity that the Democrats really can't grasp. He's popular 
because he puts America first. I know that's a cliche, but he talks about America, how proud he is of, of America and what type of country we are. And even Democrats that uh, even Democrats believe in that. And I think that's why he got such wide support from Democrats, uh, blue collar Democrats in yeah. 2016, because how, he's for America. How do you personally think he's done handling the coronavirus? I think he came out of the gate kind of slow. I think and and and, and I'll be honest with you. I was kind of like his his same feeling that he had. Look, we only have a few cases over here. Um this is the United States. We don't have widespread pandemic pandemics and things like that. That's over in other countries. So I think he was a little slow on the response, but I think he has has come up to speed and is doing a fantastic job. You know, I watched a press conference yesterday with uh, one of his aides, Navarro, who was supposed to be heading up getting all of these PPEs and other supplies um, to uh, to the hospitals and to the states. He's doing a fantastic job. They're getting thousands and hundreds of thousands of materials in record time. And one thing, too, that you'll notice about the president, his whole tone the last week to 10 days, two weeks, has been very somber, has been very modest. And you've seen him in other instances where he would really attack people yeah. if they uh, said something bad about him. He's kind of letting it uh, slide down his back. So I think Trump is showing that he can be president when he need, can be presidential when he needs to. You want to talk about doing a great job. I don't know if you've seen the numbers out of North Korea, but they only have one <laughs> confirmed case of coronavirus in North Korea. That is incredible. Well, if you look like you probably have a case of corona, they probably take you out back and shoot you. So that's how they okay. keep the uh, they keep the the statistics so low. Are you a uh, conspiracy theory guy at all? Because there is a growing number of people, be, still obviously a very small minority though, that think that this coronavirus is more than an accident that was sort of ignored by China that got out of hand. They, they think there was a more sinister start to the beginnings of this, and this is more of a, uh, a, an attack on the world from maybe China or, other, or, or some other bad actor. Uh, do, you, do, you, do you believe that there could be a possibility of any of that, or do you think the origin is exactly what we've been told it is? I think there's a possibility for anything, but just when I think about it, I'm like, why would China create something like this that could be so deadly? I mean, if they could put it on other people's shores and it only stays there, then, yeah, that, I, that may have some credibility with it, that theory. But to create something that you have no control over and that's killing thousands of your people and has the potential to kill hundreds of thousands uh, of your people – um, just to use it as a biological weapon against the United States or others just doesn't uh, make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Communist regimes are usually about self-preservation. And if they're presiding over a country where there's a pandemic and it seems like they're out of control, um, that's not good for them. Yeah. That is uh, going to about do it for this first hour. Great first hour. If you missed anything, download the podcast. The Radio.com app, I think, is the best place to get the podcast of this radio show. You can get it in many places. We started the show with Rodney Boyd. He is going to be talking to Mayor Lida Krusen and Senator Bob Onder on his show tomorrow at noon. He was in here to record those interviews and had a great talk with him. And we've got an entire second hour coming up. And in just a, a minute, when we get back from the break, we are going to talk to Mike Ferguson. He, of course, hosts American Viewpoints, which you can hear every Sunday morning here on 97.1. He, if you listen to this radio,
radio station, you are familiar with Mike. He's a regular fill-in for the Mark Cox Morning Show. He's been on this show many times. And Mike is, thank God, recovering Mm -hmm. from a bout with coronavirus. And he was able to give us some details earlier this week on the Mark Cox Morning Show about his experience with coronavirus. But we're going to take as long as it takes and... Uh, and as much as he's willing to share with us, I want to uh, have Mike talk us through his experience with coronavirus. And, and I think a lot of people haven't heard that firsthand experience from coronavirus yet. So we're going to get that when we get back with Mike Ferguson. Don't go anywhere. we got a whole second hour of the Weekend Report coming up on 97.1 FM Talk. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.